Is there enough evidence to believe in God? Or is belief in God and Christianity just a matter of blind faith? Today, Dr. Pat Zukerin speaks before a live audience and addresses this crucial topic. Welcome to Evidence and Answers with author, speaker, and Christian apologist, Dr. Pat Zukerin. Today, Pat will examine this topic and take us back through history for answers. And by the way, it's crucial resources like these that we offer at evidenceandanswers.org. Pat's articles, books, interviews with leading scholars, and past programs available for download on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, all at evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. I did not grow up in a Christian family. I grew up in a Buddhist family in Hawaii. So I was not raised in a Christian home. But eventually as I began to study the life of Buddha and Buddhism, I rejected Buddhism. I didn't believe that was true. I didn't believe Christianity was true. And so I became an atheist. I didn't believe in a God. I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't think the Bible was the Word of God. One day, a friend took me to a church that was teaching the Bible. And for the first time, I heard the powerful message of Jesus Christ. I understood what Christianity was all about for the first time, that the God of the universe, the one who created the entire universe, knew me, loved me, and wanted to have a very special relationship with me through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, I remember there were two verses that the pastor read. The first one came in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, where Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden with many burdens. Place your burdens upon me and I will give you rest. And I thought, that's incredible. The God of the universe wants me to give my burdens to him. And he wants to give me rest from all my troubles and worries. I thought, that's incredible. The God of the universe wants to do that. Everyone I know in life always says, don't bother me. I have enough problems of my own. Don't bother me. But here the God of the universe had come. Bring me your problems. I'll give you rest. And then in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even to the very end of the age. The God of the universe was saying, I'll be with you always. I'll never leave. Good, bad, no matter what, not even death will separate me from you. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. You know, nobody makes that kind of commitment to you in our lifetime. Nobody does. Many of you will get married. Some of you may be married. And when you say your vows, the final sentence will be what? Until death do us part. You'll be separated. But God says, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Not even death will separate you from God. And I thought, that's an incredible message. The God of the universe wants to be in that kind of relationship with me. That's incredible. And I prayed. I said, God of the Bible. I said, if you're real, if this is real, I want to know you. Well, the next day, uh, I was talking to friends and teachers, and many of them said, well, you can't believe in Christianity. It's not true. What is this? Someone lived, died, rose from the dead. Jesus might not even have been a real person. He might just be a legend. You know, on and on. And so I began to doubt and question Christianity, and that's when I began to search to see if this incredible message was actually true. And so I first began from the beginning. Is there evidence that God exists? Now, if God does not exist, if there is no life after death, you and I live in a universe with no meaning, no significance, and no hope. Okay? If you are an accident, if the universe is an accident, then you are an accident. Then why are you here? There's no reason for you to be here. You're simply an accident. You're going to die. You'll be extinct. You'll be forgotten. One day, 
we know the universe is expanding. And as it expands, it's running out of energy. It's going to come to a state called final entropy and the universe is going to die. Mankind is going to die. Then why were we ever here? Why were we ever here? The only thing you have to look forward to is death, your extinction. Never ever to exist again. Dr. William Provine, biology professor. You may have read his biology books. He's one of the greatest biology professors, but he is a devout atheist. And he says this, if Darwinism is true, if atheism is true, if the universe is an accident, then there is no life after death, no foundation for right and wrong, no ultimate meaning for life, no free will. If God does not exist, if you live just for this short moment and then you are extinct, never ever ever to exist again, never to see your loved ones again, and one day mankind will die and the universe will die, then life is ultimately meaningless. There's no meaning to your existence here. However, is there enough evidence to show that God exists? When I began studying the sciences and the philosophy and experience, I came to realize there's just too much evidence for the existence of God. Some of the greatest scientists today have come to say this. Dr. Fred Hoyle, one of the top physicists in the entire world, developed the uh, theory called steady state theory, one of the greatest minds in the world, says this, a super intellect, a super mind, has monkeyed with physics as well as chemistry and biology. Dr. Robert Griffiths is an award-winning physics professor from MIT, one of the top universities in the United States, and he says this, if we need an atheist to debate, I go to the philosophy department. The physics department isn't much use. Dr. Robert Jastrow, one of the top astronomers in the world, says this. And by, these, by the way, these men are not Christian. Okay? These are not Christian men. Robert Jastrow says this. For the scientist who has lived by faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. All of these scientists are saying there is so much evidence in the universe, in chemistry, in physics, in biology, in astrophysics, in microbiology, too much evidence to deny that God exists. Okay? The evidence for God is everywhere in creation. Let me just give you a few examples. We're not going to go through all of them. You'll be here all afternoon because there's so much. I'm just going to give you a few. First, the universe has a beginning. Now, there's a basic law here. It's called the law of causality. Very simple law. Whatever has a beginning must have a cause. Simple, right? If the universe has a beginning, then the universe must have a cause. And you must ask yourself, what caused the universe? And whatever caused the universe is greater than the universe. How do we know the universe has a beginning? Well, there's a lot of uh, evidence here. Einstein, maybe the greatest mathematician uh, of modern times, his theory of relativity showed the universe is expanding. If it's expanding, if you go backwards, you can go right back to the beginning. It's called the Big Bang. Edwin Hubble, the Hubble telescope, they named it after him. He measured the distance from our galaxy, the Milky Way, to the Andromeda galaxy and other galaxies uh, that were the closest to our galaxies, millions of light years away. And he discovered the universe is expanding. If it's expanding, then at, if you go backwards, you can go right back to the beginning, the Big Bang. The universe has a beginning. There is too much evidence okay, to show that the universe cannot be eternal. The universe has a beginning. Now, Stephen Hawking, you may know this name. He's the greatest astrophysicist of our time. He says this, almost everyone now believes that the universe and time had a beginning. 
whatever created the universe and created time is greater than the universe and time. Right? The law of cause and effect. Every cause has an effect. Every effect has a cause. No effect is greater than its cause. If the universe is in effect, whatever caused the universe is greater than the universe, is greater than time, and is super intelligent to create something like the universe. Who or what could that be? Steven Weinberg, this man is an atheist. He's a Nobel Prize winning, the greatest physicist of our time. I've uh, been in several seminars with him. He says this, in the beginning there was an explosion, not an explosion like those familiar on Earth, but an explosion which occurred simultaneously everywhere, filling all space from the beginning with every particle of matter rushing apart from every, part, every other particle. In other words, the universe has a beginning. If the universe has a beginning, you must answer this question. What is the cause? You must answer that question. To say the universe comes from nothing, that's absolutely silly. You know better. You're nursing students. We know nothing creates nothing. Since the universe has a beginning, it must have a cause. What is that cause? God is a very good, reasonable cause. Second, go like this one because you're nursing students, right? Design. Every design has a designer. The universe shows incredible design. Therefore, the, there is an intelligent mind who created the universe. It comes from the Bible, Romans chapter 1. Now, let me give you an example. Okay? If you're walking on the beach on a deserted island, there's nobody else you can see on that island. You're walking along the beach and you find that. You find that. A watch lying on the beach. What do you automatically think? You automatically think someone else is on this island. Somebody dropped that. How come? How come nobody thinks the wind and the waves and the lightning and the rocks came and crushed together and created a watch? How come nobody thinks that? Why is it not possible? Every piece of this watch, does it come from this earth? Or does it come from outer space? It comes from the earth. So why isn't it possible this could come together all by itself by natural forces? Why not? There's complexity and design. When you see complexity and design, it points to intelligent designer. Okay, you don't think this came all by itself. And when you look at the universe, you see complexity and you see design. Okay, for example, if you study the universe, the earth is the exact right distance from the sun. Any closer, it's too hot and everything burns up. A little bit farther, it's too cold, everything freezes. The earth rotates at exactly the right speed. If it rotates too slow, what happens? One side burns up and the other side freezes. Then when the other side comes, the other side will burn up and the other side will freeze. It rotates at the right speed. The sun is just the right size. So all the gravitational forces of the planets pull together correctly so we can have life on this earth. Jupiter why don't meteors and asteroids strike the Earth? Why don't they? Well, because of Jupiter. Jupiter is a big planet and it sucks in the meteors and asteroids. Otherwise, they would collide with the Earth. Jupiter, what kind of planet is Jupiter? Do you know? It's a gas ball. It's not a hard uh, surface like our Earth or the Moon. If it were a hard surface and meteors and asteroids collided with it, what would happen? Yeah, its orbit would be thrown off. But it's like a sponge. It catches it. It absorbs it and it just keeps going. Hey, the moon. 
the moon is in the exact right position so we can have waves and fluctuate so we can have life on the bottom of the sea. There's just too much evidence of design in the universe. Now your nursing students that you'll like this one, the human brain. The human brain is a powerful machine. We have never been able to create a computer that can do what the human brain can do. Hey, we have scientists at the greatest universities. We still have not been able to create a computer that can do what the human brain can do. Carl Sagan, the atheist, he said this, the genetic information uh, in the brain expressed in bits is probably comparable to the total number of connections among neurons, about uh, 100 trillion, 10 to the 14th power bits. If written in book form in English, it would fill 20 million books. Enough books, if you stack them high, would go from here to the moon. That's how much information is in the brain. The brain is a very big place in a very small space. The neurochemistry of the brain is astonishingly busy. The circuitry of a machine, more wonderful than any created by humans. He says humans have not been able to create a machine as powerful as the human brain. Your nurses, DNA, you know about DNA, right? It's the building block of cell life. The more and more we are discovering about DNA, discovering what? It's incredibly complex. It's like computer code. Every protein sequence has to be in the correct sequence, right? Otherwise that cell is not going to function or live. Richard Dawkins, another atheist, okay? famous atheist from Oxford University said this, the machine code of the genes is uncannily computer-like. He's saying DNA code when we say code, we mean language. Language points to intelligent designer. He says, computer-like. The pages of a molecular biology journal might be interchanged with those of a computer engineering journal. He says, you study the sequence of DNA, it's like studying a computer program. That's how complex and designed it is. There's too much evidence out there to show that God exists. There's just too much. You cannot reject the existence of God. There's too much evidence out there in creation that points to God. Dr. Wick Ramasinghe, he's the leader of the Human Genome Project. He's the leader in DNA studies. Says this, the probability of forming a single enzyme, the building block of the gene, which is the turn, the building block of the cell is 1 in 10 to the 40,000th power. In other words, it's a mathematical zero almost that DNA can come together by accident. It's highly unlikely your body, your brain came together by accident. Christianity teaches God has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ made some amazing claims. He claimed to be the divine Son of God. He made some amazing claims. He claimed to be God. And he proved his claim through his miraculous life, his miraculous ministry, his death, and his resurrection from the dead. There's too much historical evidence to show Jesus was a real person who lived a miraculous life, died, and rose again. There's too much evidence there. We could be here all afternoon, but I don't want to take up all your time. You have fun stuff to do. So we're, I'm just going to show you briefly. We'll give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Jesus Christ, God was with us. Jesus Christ is not simply a man. He's the divine Son of God. Jesus also claimed to be the divine Son of God. When the Jewish leaders asked him, who gives you this kind of authority to teach and say the things you say? Jesus said, I and the Father are one. The Jews took up stones to stone him, but Jesus said, I've shown you many great miracles. For which of these do you stone me? And the Jews replied, we don't stone you for any of these, but because you, a man, 
claimed to be God. They understood what Jesus was saying. Jesus claimed to be the divine Son of God. Now, anybody can claim to be God. I can claim to be God. You can claim to Wadi can claim to be God. The question is, can you prove your claim? And Jesus Christ did in a very amazing way. The Gospels record historical work. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts were written by eyewitnesses. These are accurate historical works, and they present a very accurate account of the life of Jesus. How do we know? We have over 5,000 ancient manuscripts, some dating way back to 115 AD, very early ancient manuscripts. I have a radio show, and I was debating an atheist, and the atheist said, how come if Jesus is so famous, only the Bible records Jesus? There is no historical record outside the Bible of Jesus. And I said, you're incorrect. There are over one dozen non-Christian historical works that tell us about the life of Jesus outside of the Bible. Josephus, he's a Jewish historian. He lived right during the time of the apostles. Tacitus, a very famous Roman historian. Pliny the Younger, Suetonius, Lucian, Celsus, Marabar Serapion, and others. And these men did not like Christianity. They wrote against Christianity, but they mentioned Jesus, and they confirm what the Gospels say about Jesus, that he lived a virtuous life. He did some amazing things. He lived during the time of Tiberius Caesar. He was crucified by Pontius Pilate. The disciples worshipped him as God. He was crucified. The disciples believed he had risen again and that Christianity spread rapidly throughout the Roman Empire. We're not going to go through all the examples. I'll just show you two here. Josephus, a famous Jewish historian, first century Jewish historian, who recorded the record of the Roman Empire in the land of Israel. He says this, At this time there was a wise man who was called Jesus. His conduct was good and he was known to be virtuous. And many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. But those who became his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and there he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom prophets have recounted. Now, Josephus is not a Christian. He doesn't like Christians. If you read his works, he doesn't like Christians. But here, in this brief paragraph, he summarizes the life of Christ and the message of the Gospels. Tacitus, famous Roman historian. Much of what we know of Rome in the first century comes from him. He says this, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. You see, he doesn't like Christians. He calls their, their uh, works an abomination. Christus, or Christ, from whom the name has its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of the procurator's Pontius Pilate and a most mischievous superstition thus stopped for the moment again broke out not only in Judea, the first source of evil, but even in Rome. See, he calls Christians, the Christian religions, mischievous and evil. He doesn't like Christians. But in this brief paragraph, he confirms the Gospels, that Christ lived during the time of Tiberius. He was crucified by Pontius Pilate, that the disciples believed he rose again, and Christianity spread quickly throughout the Roman Empire. So we have non-Christian historical documents, 
we have the Bible. You know, the Bible proves to be a very accurate historical work. See the second man, William Ramsey? In the early 1900s, he went to Israel to prove the Gospels are false. He did not believe the Gospels were very accurate, so he went there, and that man became a Christian. There's too much evidence for the Gospels. We have thousands of archaeological discoveries that confirm our Gospels are accurate. He's the man who crucified Jesus. Tiberius, he's the emperor named in Luke's account. Here we have archaeological confirmation. Pilate was a real person, and so was Tiberius. Here's another one, the uh, Caiaphas. This is the, the ossuary, the box that holds the bones of Caiaphas, the high priest. There's too much evidence to, say, to show Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. The New Testament is a very accurate historical source that tells us about Jesus who lived a very miraculous life. He lived a sinless life. He performed many miracles, miracles that have never been performed by any other man demonstrating he is the creator of the universe. He has authority over all creation. What is the possibility that Christ could have fulfilled eight prophecies just by being lucky, just by accident? He was able to fulfill eight, okay? What's the chance he could have been born in the city of Bethlehem as predicted in the book of Micah? Gee, I don't know, maybe one in a thousand? What's the possibility he's born of the tribe of Judah? He's born from a certain tribe. Oh, I don't know, one in a thousand maybe? What is the possibility he's betrayed and sold for exactly 30 pieces of silver? Zechariah, written 400 years before Christ. What is the possibility that he is crucified with thieves and then buried in a rich man's tomb? Isaiah written 700 years before Christ. What is the possibility? Daniel chapter 9, written 500 years before Christ, predicts the exact time when Christ would enter Jerusalem and when he would die. The Daniel 9 prophecy predicts that. And we have the resurrection. This is one of the best attested to ancient historical events that we have. Christ was a real person. He lived a miraculous life. He was crucified, and then he rose again. Hey, I've debated this on radio and throughout the world. There's too much evidence for the resurrection. Hey, atheists, liberals, and Christians, we all agree on these seven facts. That Christ was crucified. They knew where his tomb was. It was empty on the third day. The disciples suddenly run back into the city of Jerusalem to the very men who crucified Christ and say, and said, the man you just crucified a few days ago, he is the Messiah, he has risen from the dead. Do you know how dangerous that is? They would have been killed. They were persecuted for that message, yet they were unafraid and went in and preached that message. Why? What is the most reasonable explanation? The preaching begins in that city, Jerusalem, in the city where Christ was killed and was buried. That's the worst place to preach the resurrection if it did not happen. Have there been people who have tried to explain the uh, resurrection? They have tried. Some said, well, maybe the disciples stole the body, or they had a dream and they saw Jesus alive, or the women went to the wrong tomb, or wild dogs ate the body of Jesus. All these explanations have failed. Hey, I've debated too many atheists. There's only one choice left, that Jesus really did rise from the dead. And this is the message, folks. Jesus claimed to be the divine Son of God. He lived a sinless, miraculous life. He died and rose again, conquering sin and death. 
Jesus was who he said he was. He said in John 11, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Eternal life is found in me. And this is the message. There is a God. He loves each one of you. He created each one of you to know him personally. He created you with a special plan and a special purpose for you to fulfill. If you think making money and becoming rich is going to bring permanent happiness, it's not. Okay, I know. My father was very rich. I played golf on the best country clubs in Hawaii and throughout the world. If money makes you happy, Hollywood America would be the happiest place on earth. Okay? But look at Michael Jackson and all the divorces and all that goes on. What's going to bring you everlasting joy is knowing the God who created you and the mission and the purpose he created you for. And he invites you all to a very special relationship with him. And God wanted a relationship with you so badly. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross and he conquered sin and death so that by trusting in him, you can now have a relationship with the God who created the universe. Right now, you can have the assurance of everlasting life and the relationship with the God who created you. Thank you so much for joining us on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman. It's our hope to keep a quality program on the air and on the web that presents an intelligent response to the issues of our day and demonstrates the truth of the claims of Christ. If you agree, please support us with your prayers and gifts. One of the ways you can do that is by purchasing our resources available at evidenceandanswers.org. You'll educate yourself and your family, and you'll help us keep expanding. You can download past shows on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, read Pat's articles, and purchase Pat's new book with Dr. Norman Geisler, The Apologetics of Jesus, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Go there today. I'm Kevin Harris. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time 